The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Please call the roll. Sure, Madam Chair. Councilmember Letitia Johnson. Present. Councilmember Mary Waters. Councilmember Angela Whitfield Calloway. Madam Chair, you do not have a quorum present. Madam Clerk? Yes. We have two out of three. I didn't. Is Member Calloway there? I didn't hear her. Member Calloway is present. Thank you. Madam Chair, you have a quorum present. Thank you. Having a quorum present, we are now in session. And if the clerk can note that Member Waters is joining us. Clerk will so note, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Is there an approval of the minutes? There's a motion to approve the minutes. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. We are now going to go into public comment. If we have anyone present for public comment, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand via Zoom as well if you are joining us for public comment. We do have one individual present in the room, and if we can set the clock for two minutes. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Carmack. You have two minutes. Yeah, my name is Robert Carmack, and I'm here on the Revere Dock. I look at the documents on the Revere Dock, and those documents are inaccurate and incomplete. They have a development agreement on that property. They were supposed to build a 40,000-foot building. They were supposed to clean up $15 million in environmental issues and build a new seawall back in 2015. They didn't do it. You could take the property back. You need to investigate this. $15 million worth of contamination went in the river. The kids, the people that live in Detroit, that went into the waterways. This is a serious issue. Now they're putting $45 million a water department on that piece of property. When they broke the uh, outfalls on the property and it fell in the river. U.S. Council people work for the people. God has given you a gift to be that. You're supposed to take care of people. You're supposed to do what right. When you die and go in front of God, God's going to judge you what you did here. The situation is I flatlined, died just like that football player back when I was about your age. I went up there. He sent me back down and had something for me to do. You're responsible for these kids that got shot 38 times. No one knows who that. You're responsible for all this. Just because you don't kill the person or contaminate or do it, you had a response to make sure that people in Detroit are safe. Will you investigate the Revere Dock? Put it on the agenda, line item. Listen to what I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, as you know, I'm sure we take our commitment and our um, accountability very serious. Uh, and so we'll continue to look into this. I have been working with my team uh, as it relates to 
the documents that you're referring to and the situation that you're referring to, but we will continue to look into it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good morning, team. How many Zoom callers do we have for public comment? Good morning, Madam Chair and honorable committee members. There are five hands raised for virtual public comment. Okay, thank you. Can we get started with the first caller? Yes, the first caller is Michael Lamont Cunningham, Jr. Thank you. Good morning, Michael Lamont Cunningham, Jr. You have two minutes. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Cunningham. Can you hear me? Hear me? Mr. Cunningham? Y'all hear me? We can hear you now. Oh, wow. Oh, thank God. Um, hello, ladies, councilwomen. I love y'all strength and tenacity. For those of you under the sound of my voice, you can go to Facebook, go to Force Subservience Cunningham. Again, it's Force Subservience Cunningham. Force Subservience Cunningham. And it is anonymous for you to look at what's on my page. Also, there's a hotline number for you to listen to the message. The message on 313-444-9114. That number is made so you can remember it. I want you to get on the buses, the coaches. I'm talking about the regular people in the city of Detroit. After 6 p.m., keyword, after 6 p.m. during the week and on the weekends. Some of you guys want to go in disguise, whatever, undercover, Go and ride Detroit Department of Transportation buses and don't be shy. Talk to the person next to you. Talk to a few people, give out your card and get their experiences. That's very important for you to talk to the people and get their experiences. Um, in previous communication with Councilwoman Calloway, uh, she's a woman of her word. I was requesting possibly can a line item be put up for giving out bus tickets and validating parking for those that come down to the Coleman A. Young Municipal Center um, to observe or comment during um, session or any session. It's a hurdle pan for parking and a hurdle for bus uh, fare for a lot of people. And we don't want to disenfranchise anyone. So Madam Council ladies, is it possible to make a request, a line item, um, about giving out bus tickets and validating parking for those who show up to any of the city council or mayor's meetings, if that is possible? Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Cunningham. We are going to look into your request and get back to you. I'm not 100% sure which uh, committee that item would be line item four, but we will certainly get back to you. Team, if we can cut off public comment, uh, and I'm not sure who's managing the microphones, but I am about to start squealing in a moment. Um, so 
if you can just adjust my mic, thank you. Um, we are now going to cut off public comment. Can we go to the next caller? Yes, Madam Chair, the next caller is Tahira Ahmad. Good morning, Tahira Ahmad, you have two minutes. Good morning. Good morning, council persons. I appreciate your very hard work. You guys are the bomb. Uh, we're looking for um, your support of Councilwoman uh, Angela Whitfield Callaway. That's my councilwoman. She has been fantastic. She's standing strong against these oligarchs. All they want to do is steal our future children's money with all these bond issues. Tell Gilbert and Illich no more welfare from Detroit. You guys are billionaires. We don't need you taking from our children. You use your money and do, if you want to do something and build in building Detroit, use your money. You are already a billionaire. Leave us alone. We already are trying to get our $600 million, three quarters of a billion dollars stolen from us. Thousands of legacy homes have been stolen from us. And now you want to make a cashless society. So we can't even, you, we already don't even feel welcome downtown, but you really want to block us out. Uh, I, I implore uh, everyone to look up the 1967 rebellion in Detroit. The same situations exist today that existed then. You think these young people are going to accept you uh, cashlessly uh, using cashless societies to block them out of their own downtown? We already don't feel welcome down there. And now they don't have jobs. You've stolen their homes. And they're going to feel hopeless and, and, and uh, um, helpless. And when people are, are hopeless, they resort to only one thing, and that's violence. I'm trying to get us to keep our city alive and well and get our young people alive, keep our young people alive and well and give them hope. You're talking about uh, putting these lithium batteries in these cars that's burning up. Our children can make some solar vehicles and Detroit will be back again. Thank you. Thank you. The next caller. Yes, the next caller is Karen Winston. Good morning, Karen Winston. You have two minutes. <clears throat> Hello. Good morning. Hello. Oh, can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> yeah, good morning. Um, I want to speak on a couple things this morning. <clears throat> Since it's income tax time, um, who is our appointed um, income tax board of review? I haven't been able to find that. We should have a three-member income tax board of review, as well as you know, you, you guys got, uh, you know, you guys made yourself aware of the property tax board of review. But there's also an income tax board of review that's mandated by the code. Um, section 91, or it's an ordinance um, number 900F. Uh, let's see, uh, section 10-18-10-22. I'd, I'd really love you guys to get involved, you know, on what our rules are and not just wait for someone to tell you. If I can find this information, you can find this information, you can mandate as I can ask. Uh, I want to know who uh, is the oversight of um, all of these um, 
uh, agencies. Now, this trans dad issue lately uh, on council, we were told that they said they were going to do this. Okay, but dang, that's not how it goes. We don't depend on what they say. We got to have, we, not me, you guys got to have some responsibility for what our tax dollars um, afford. So, um, uh, also, that Tara from HRD was on begging for a $300,000 contract for someone to, um, um, or, you know, to organize a, pro uh, a, 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 a daggone, I'm losing my thought, to organize what they're supposed to be administering. Now, if they can't do it, let's get somebody who can. She, she actually said, we don't know what we're doing, yet she exists. That HRD is still handling billions of HUD dollars. This doesn't make any sense to me. Um, please aware yourself and let's get our income tax board of review active. It is tax time. Thanks. Thank you. The next caller. Yes, the next caller is number ending in 534. Good morning, caller ending in 534. You have two minutes. Yes, good morning. May I be heard? Yes. Okay. First of all, I second the emotions of the last callers, especially the first three. I'd also like to say I was in the auditorium yesterday, and either somebody's purposely lowering that microphone or we really got jipped off because it was hard to hear. Um, I also want to say it's really sad to me that it took a mass shooting at MSU to hear some council members talk about let's care about mental health. Um, I've been letting my own council member how the secretly planned development for my block has been destroying my mental health, but I guess I don't matter. Uh, and I would be more than happy to help people put together a mental health task force. Believe me, I've been studying it. I'm, I'm dealing with PTSD. I could get into a whole lot of TMI. You know, thank God I wasn't raped. I suffered. I mean, I avoided an attempted rape. I, and then, so when I got forcibly stripped in a cell at the detention center by three women and left there butt naked in a cell with a camera. I didn't appreciate that, folks. Oh, but nobody wanted to look into it, not even Dana Nessel's office. Um, I'd also like to say the Revere Doc and Stellantis are completely unacceptable. I'm also horrified that I just discovered that train wreck with the toxic chemicals in East Palestine, Ohio, folks. Check it out. Um, uh, also, cashless society is completely unacceptable. Jamie Dimon of Chase Bank went on 60 Minutes talking about develop Detroit's little hookup development in the North End, and he said they're tracking people by their credit card statement. So it's another way to be big government, big brother government, and follow people. It is absolutely unacceptable. Thank you. The next caller. Yes, the final caller before virtual public comment was cut off was Motor City Rue. Good morning, Motor City Rue. You have two minutes. Uh, good morning, uh, Councilwoman Johnson and Councilwoman Waters and 
Councilwoman Callaway, uh, y'all the three-fifths committee, my favorite committee on the city council, because y'all got three-fifths of the votes necessary to push anything through council. Y'all would only require two more votes to make sure that anything that y'all wanted to do in the city is done. So out of the other six members, y'all need to get two more votes and put a stop to this nonsense. Now, y'all ain't signed, none of y'all have signed none of them bonds. Uh, but Councilwoman um, Sheffield, Councilman Tate, and Councilman Benson and all, uh, you know, signed off on them bonds. So they, you know, involved in this situation. Miller Canfield is where all the information is supposed to reside as far as to what's what and bond council. They keep saying bond council, they ain't saying Miller Canfield. That's who needs to be called for. Now, Councilman Durhall said he's doing that, so I guess he's going to do it this week. But, but in the internal operations committee, y'all control the internal operations of this city. Now, John Naglick came online. Irv Cordy was lying. David Whitaker copped the plea. Y'all can call all this forward now. Internal, pass a motion today to find out what's going on in this bond issue. Stop the nonsense. Find out what the city people know. So come Wednesday, um, Durhall can ask Miller Canfield what they know, and then we all know the whole story. So y'all got three-fifths of the votes necessary to use that subpoena power that the city hasn't used since 2012. But y'all also got committee power to call them forth on the committee. Y'all, it's three of y'all. If y'all band together, y'all can shut all this nonsense down so enough people that know what need, need to tell y'all. Fractional fraud has been played on the citizens. And the, on the necks and the backs of the citizens of Detroit, it's billions of dollars done by Scott Benson, Mary Sheffield, and um, James Tate. Get to the bottom of it by motion today and start the inquiry into what this Thank you so much. Um, as you indicated, the process is going through the Budget Finance and Audit Committee. Um, so we will certainly stay close to that. Uh, that now closes out public comment. We are going to move back to the agenda. And we have several interviews lined up for today. The first interview is with Erica Mariah. Maria. Maria, Mariah. We'll, we'll ask for clarification. Um, team, do we have Erica on the line with us? Yes, Madam Chair, Erica is online and has been promoted to panelists. Thank you so much. Good morning, Erica. Good morning. We can't see you on the screen. I'm not sure if you would like to turn your camera on, um, but if you would please, first of all, tell us your full name, introduce yourself, um, and give us some information about your background and why you were interested in applying for the reparations task force. Sure. Sorry, I'm in my car per usual. Um, my name is Erica Maria. I am a District 7 resident, and I have been doing community service work through my nonprofit agency, Supreme Transitions, for over the past 12 years. Um, I also ran for city council um, in the last cycle, and during that time, hearing from several seniors 
um, concerning reparations and home repairs and access to information um, or the lack thereof in our district and just in the city as whole as a whole has just really weighed heavy on my heart. And when um, the opportunity came about, I shared it with several uh, seniors and tried to empower them and other community members to apply um, for this position. And so, of course, I had to lead by example. I had to go through the process of uh, filling out that application on my own so that I could explain it to others. And I think that um, it would be a great opportunity to learn more um, and to be able to help others in our community um, get the information that they need per usual. My agency um, specializes in domestic violence and sexual violence. However, uh, we are an information hub for those not just in need of emergency services or safety um, services or emergency removal, you know, uh, services, um, but just an information hub for most community members. And so um, I applied and I feel very honored to be at this next step. I am very busy um, with community work, but I don't think that this would um, interfere. I think it would just add to more of the reach and the scope of what I'll be able to do or the team will be able to do collectively and to be able to lend more um, insight from what community members are saying as having a boots on the ground agency. Awesome, thank you. I am familiar with your work in the community and I do remember meeting you. Um, uh, and so I'd like to ask you, because I do think it's important to have uh, individuals that are in the community, engage in the community that is a part of this task force. Can you talk a little bit about um, what reparations means to you? What types of programs would you like to see come out of the task force? I've heard of, of maybe two different programs out West, um, and I didn't get to look as far in detail um, about what how they actually rolled it out, how they implemented um, connecting with community members yet. Um, but I would like to be able to have um, real-time forum, a forum where we can hear from people such as this um, to be able to ask questions. I liked how during the pandemic, uh, when we switched to Zoom, um, the meetings, city council meetings, and everything were interactive and that people could ask their questions specifically about certain things during those certain meetings. So I would like to see um, maybe some subcommittees in the different districts um, where it would be just a small group of people who could be kind of oversee collecting those thoughts or those needs, um, being able to get some tablets to um, community um, either outreach centers or pantries or where those people who need access to the internet or um, devices to be able to apply or check statuses and get some technical assistance um, on those things. Those are some of the things that I would like to see for um, community members in need. And it's not just seniors, but there are, you know, we understand our literacy levels are very low. Um, here in Detroit and Wayne County. So to be able to meet those needs, to be able to meet people without shame, um, to be able to understand processes, um, to understand language, right? Um, and to be able to get what they need and to not uh, cause more stress on those who have to then provide the things that they need um, because there's a, um, 
a barrier in communication where it's a breakdown somewhere where someone is asking for something that they may not need or they think they need. Um, and then the other person who's supposed to help them doesn't understand what they're asking or why. So um, I think it's good to have maybe some focus groups and hear from people. Um, if that hasn't already happened, I'm not sure. But reparations to me is um, giving people back what they 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 are owed. You know, it's not uh, a handout. It's actually giving people back what they're owed, and they deserve it. So, awesome! Thank you. Uh, greatly appreciate it. I'm going to now turn it over to my colleagues and see if they have any questions or comments for you, Member Callaway. Yep. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, thank you very much for um, expressing an interest in serving on the um, um, reparations task force, and I enjoyed your presentation, and I enjoyed listening to your answers to the questions posed by the chair of this committee. Thank you very much, and good morning. Good morning. All right. Well, it looks like we are... Um, we don't have any additional questions or comments for you. If you'd like to add any additional information, feel free to do so. Well, I could talk all day. You know, that's what I do. <laughs> no, thank you um, even for extending the invitation and working around my national schedule um, to be able to fit me in today at this time. So thank you. And I hope that we can work together soon on many different things. Mm -hmm. Okay, it looks like Member Waters would like to uh, make a comment or ask a question. Member yeah. Waters. Good morning, uh, Erica. Good morning, beautiful. Yeah. I'm good. I don't, I don't have a question. I just want to say thanks for all that you do on behalf of the community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank right. you so much. Okay. Well, we certainly do appreciate you taking time to meet with us this morning. Um, and just so that you are aware, we are looking to conclude the Reparations Task Force interviews today, uh, and then we will move forward with all of the individuals that have been interviewed. Um, that list will be provided to the Committee of the Whole um, in the coming weeks, either next week or the following week, uh, and we will make final decisions. So we will certainly keep you abreast of how we move forward. But we certainly Thank you do, so much. Absolutely. We certainly do appreciate your time and all of the work and uh, commitment that you have given to our residents and our communities. Thank you. I hope to see and speak with you all soon on other issues as well. So thank you. Sounds great. <laughs> have a great one. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So our next interview is with Ms. Cindy Calloway. Cindy Calloway is a candidate for the Reparations Task Force, identified by Member Waters. Do we have Ms. Calloway with us? Madam, Madam Chair. Chair. Madam Clerk. Yes, so for the interview that was just conducted at 1015, was there a actual motion for that? Thank you, Madam Clerk. There was not. Um, we will have a motion for all of the reparations task force interviews uh, later. Okay, so you're just going to complete the interviews first? Yes. And then come back. Thank you. Thank you.
Madam Chair, we have a hand raised um, for Detroit Justice Center. Um, I'm not sure if that is Sydney Calloway. I believe it is. Okay, I will promote her to panelist. Thank you. And good morning, Miss Sydney Calloway. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Will you please introduce yourself for the record? Tell us about your background and tell us about your interest in joining the Reparations Task Force. Absolutely, absolutely. So my name is Sydney Calloway. I am a 30-year-old native Detroiter from the West Side, um, graduated from the Detroit School of Arts in 2010, went on to study at Bowling Green State University and uh, returned to Detroit and got activated in the movement around 2016 um, after being in corporate America and noticing a lot of things happening in my community. Um, I got activated as an abolitionist and decided to um, contribute my energies to the movement. That's awesome. I just love your energy. Uh, yeah. So tell, tell us about some of the work that you've done in the yeah. community um, as, as an abolitionist. Yes. So um, back in 2020, um, after the tragic murder of um, George Floyd, I ended up with my boots on the ground as a protester and um, was selected by Michigan Liberation to do some uh, political organizing and political education work. I was then selected by the National Movement for Black Lives to be a fellow for the summer and fall of 2020, um, where I learned some more. I got to talk with a lot of um, Black Panthers who are still lounged as though some of them are still like um, political prisoners and um, really dove into my own self-education, my own personal research, um, and just being able to have conversations about what the future looks like for Black people, what our demands are nationally, statewide, and locally. Excellent. Uh, well, thank you so much for your work on the ground. I know how, um, how that experience could have been for young people. Uh, yeah. And so would love to ask you to talk about what reparations means to you and what types of programs would you like to see come out of the task force? Yeah, so there are a few areas that I believe the task force should really concentrate on improving. Um, but they're so intertwined that you can't really, you know, separate them or prioritize them. But uh, we need reparations for the systemic denials of access to high quality education. Um, we need reparations for the continued disinvestment from our communities as well as um, reparations for the wealth extracted from our community. So making sure that there's some financial education and literacy, um, just making sure there are programs that are building up our communities and restoring housing and um, access to high quality education. So just being sure that they have all the resources that they need to educate the generations to come. And of course we know how important education is for any of us, for all of us, um, present and future. So thank yeah. you. We appreciate you. Um, colleagues, do you have any questions or comments? Yeah. Member, Member Calloway? Yeah, thank you, Madam Chair. And good morning, um, Ms. Calloway. And um, I want to thank you like I thanked all the other candidates for expressing an interest in serving on this very, very important task force. And my question to you would, uh, would be, why do you want to serve? 
I mean, you're a millennial, you're young, you could be doing anything, but why is it important to you at your young age um, to want to serve on this um, task force? And thank you. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Thank you for the question. Um, I feel as though the elders before me set me up. They put me, they gave me a great foundation and it's my turn to return the hope to them. Like, um, I just want to make sure that I can carry the torch that, that they've already lit and want to ensure them that the work that they've done has not gone in vain and that it will continue until we achieve exactly what we want to see. So the next 40, 50 years, I'm preparing myself to do the work. I'm preparing the generations behind me to follow up and do the work. Member Waters. Well, good morning, Sydney. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, wow. Well, I, you know, we're counting on you to pick up that, pick it up, carry it. You understand? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that. And I hope that all young people will, will understand that we are counting on them to do exactly that. Um, this reparation task force, you know, one of the things, Sydney, I, I want to point out, and that is that, you know, the city of Detroit has very limited resources as it relates to reparations. And uh, I truly believe that in order for us to really clearly uh, receive reparations, it's going to have to come from the federal level. Now, that I do yeah. believe. Yeah. Uh, some of the people are encouraged by the fact that they says, well, you know, most things are done from the bottom up, and so this is a start right here in the city, and maybe we can help to shape some things at the federal level. Um, this task force also will focus on, basically fo focus on housing and economic development. Mm -hmm. And I did hear you uh, mention uh, housing. So you want to tell me a, just a little bit more about where you see us in terms of housing and economic development recommendations, that kind of thing, if you've thought about it all. If you haven't, it's okay. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Um, so, like, I've, I've been working on this and studying and doing my research for a very long time, and housing seems to be one of the um, main issues that we have to deal with, which um, prevents us from giving our energy to bigger things. Um, I had the opportunity and privilege to work at an alternative academy for about four years. And one of the things that I noticed that my students were struggling with was simply washing their hands, washing their clothes. And that's because they didn't have a home. They didn't have a washer and dryer and unit and their families were struggling. So it's a basic necessity that we have to find a way to um, get our people access to and an affordable access to. Um, so it's, it's at the top of my list, but like I said, they're so intertwined that the only way to really prioritize is by how efficiently we can implement new policies and legislation to move us forward. But housing is number one and has to be truly affordable quality housing. Mm. Madam Chair, I, I'm so happy to hear you say that. You know, one year I visited, um, the uh, uh, Qatar, the, the uh, country in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And um, I realized that there was nobody over there who, who was homeless. They didn't mm -hmm. have any people uh, on the streets or anything like that. Everybody had a place to live. And so, um, and I know we, we're not a, you know, rich city like, like that country is, that kind of thing. You know, they've got a ton of money over there. But at the same time, we are facing evictions like crazy mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm happy to hear you say true affordable housing because I think you understand the difference. Yes. It sounds like you do. 
And so, yes. um, so I'll, I'll leave it at that for now, Sydney. So I certainly look forward to engaging with you a lot more in the future, if that's okay. Absolutely, my <laughs> and, pleasure. And and certainly appreciate um, the fact that you that you're willing to serve. Thank you, and and, and I need you to bring on your, your young friends, get them engaged in the process as well. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, and. I just want to point out that Sydney said good quality, affordable housing. That that's yeah. that's key. I, I really do believe that's key because we know we've seen some affordable housing that was not of good quality. Uh, so thank you for for elevating that, um, and thank you for your time. I appreciate uh, you being here today, and look forward to your service on the task force. I'm really excited to see uh, your contribution and and what. Um, can be added to the conversation because I think you you view reparations from a different lens um, and, and really excited to see what is to come. So thank you so much for your time. Um, you, I believe, are our, our final Reparations Task Force interview. Uh, and so we closed it out with a bang, right? <laughs> you say it's so, the best for last. <laughs> so we will, um, we'll, we'll, Conclude today, we will move all of the individuals that we've interviewed, their names forward for us to make a final decision um, at the Committee of the Whole, either this coming Tuesday or the following Tuesday. But certainly do appreciate your time, certainly do appreciate your interest, and truly appreciate the work that you've done on the ground and that you continue to do in our community. So thank you um, for standing strong and for being who you are. We appreciate it. Absolutely. You. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a great one. You too as well. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right, colleagues, we are going to continue with our interviews. Now we're going to shift to, um, we have three, the, the following three interviews are um, candidates uh, for the Historic District Commission. Our first, um, I believe they, two of the three are in person. Uh, we have Miss Chinchilla joining us here at the table. Good morning. If you will press the bottom of the microphone until the light turns green. Okay, excellent. Morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you so much for joining us in person. It's, it's nice to see your face. And um, if you will please introduce yourself for the record and tell us a little bit about your background and your interest in the Historic District Commission. Sure, happy to. My name is Nahaya Chinchilla. Um, I am a licensed architect here in the state of Michigan. I grew up on the east side of Detroit and went to Detroit Public Schools through middle school um, and got really interested in architecture, kind of similar to Mrs. Waters, um, Councilwoman Waters is a description of her experience traveling. So in high school, I got the privilege to be an exchange program and travel to Europe and see all of the wonderful architecture and spaces there and came back and realized what a wonderful collection of buildings that we have here, but was wondering as a young person and high school student, why were our buildings not treated the same way that they were in Europe? And starting to get interested in historic preservation and urban planning and then eventually leading into architecture. 
So um, my undergraduate degree was in environmental policy, and I was very interested in sustainability and started doing community gardening and looking at community groups that were looking at how to preserve natural spaces in the city, and it became a natural affiliation to preserving buildings because the investment in the infrastructure and the sustainable resources that we have in our existing infrastructure is such a resource. So if we don't protect them, take care of them, then we are creating more waste and losing that asset that we already have. So that kind of started my interest in sustainability and or historic preservation as a tangent of sustainability. And then um, through my education as an architecture school and through getting my license, um, started to be able to work on projects where um, we were doing repositioning of historic buildings and really working with clients to look at the potential of buildings to be repositioned sometimes for the same use sometimes for different use but really looking at the value of those investments and how to move them forward so that's been exciting work and through that work I've been able to present um, to the Commission on projects that I've been working on and get to see the process learn about the process from being on that side of the table of being having to present my projects and making sure that they are compliant with the Department of Interior standards, and then also really living my beliefs in buying a historic home. So I didn't want to go and build new construction, and I currently live in Hubbard Farms, and I'm going through the painful and costly experience of renovating a historic home that did not have um, investment over many years. So I can bring to the experience relatability to people who are presenting and understanding what it is like to have to go through that process. And having presented our own homes renovations to the commission um, over pandemic. Well, I certainly do appreciate you sharing that. Um, I've always had an affinity to architecture and you know, when we look at the architecture in the city of Detroit, it's just absolutely amazing. I, I think sometimes we kind of overlook it. We think it is uh, something that is experienced throughout the entire country and it isn't, it isn't. Um, and so I'm really interested in knowing and considering because you've had your personal experience. So in my district specifically, there's only one community that is a local historic district. But when I look at our architecture, I think, you know, some other areas could be. But you just brought up a very good point uh, as it relates to the, the expense um, to rehab a house that is in a historic district. Um, what are your thoughts around identifying more areas in the city of Detroit and working with the community to determine whether or not a historic district uh, designation is even recommended or, you know, to work with the community around preservation, because that's the whole point. The, the point is to preserve our architecture in the city of Detroit, residential and commercial. Mm -hmm. um, so what are your thoughts around that? Well, I think being part of the commission is an excellent opportunity to inform people and get them aware of the value of what we have as an asset. And the resources for the historic districts are available so people can use those resources even if they're not in a historic district. So the guidelines, the information of, you know, a lot of the neighborhoods that are not designated probably fall into similar building types or history. Um, so those resources can be really valuable and people could probably follow those guidelines 
guidelines um, without having to go through the process for the districts that are not, or the areas that are not um, in a historic district. Um, so I think we can make people aware of all of the wonderful work that the commission and the staff have done to create resources for people who are interested in preservation work. Um, the actual designation of neighborhoods is not within the body of work that this commission does, and there's another group that does that. So I'm, I'm less familiar with that process of getting something designated, but I know from our own neighborhood and living in Hubbard Farms and getting to know the people that were involved um, in getting that district, because they're still very engaged in our community group, um, getting that district designated, that there's really great resources within the city of like being able to partner with other districts if people are interested. So I'm sure that we can connect people if that's something that they're interested in and the body that does that work as well as the community groups that would be able to support them and have gone through that experience themselves. Excellent. Thank you. And so the Historic District Commission essentially views different cases, different scenarios where someone is looking to preserve or to develop or, or rehab a property and making sure that if it is in a historic district that it is done properly? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Thank it's you. reviewing the compliance of those renovations and anything that's built new as well. Awesome. Now, now that's a tricky one. Um, when I sat on the Board of Zoning Appeals, um, there were development projects that would come um, before us in a historic area um, and trying to really match and, and maintain a harmonious mm -hmm. um, aesthetic from a 100-year a building to a new building, right. um, that, that's tricky. So um, I'll leave that up to you. But thank you. <laughs> uh, colleagues, do you have any questions or comments? Member Calloway. Thank you. Good morning, Ms. Chinchilla. Good morning. I just like saying that name. Wish I actually owned one, but um, good morning. Um, you said that when you went to Europe, you appreciated the way that they um, treated their buildings. Mm -hmm. What did you mean by that? Um, there's different building codes and I think restrictions um, within Europe. Um, I was observing it as a 16-year-old high school student at the time and was just kind of amazed at the breadth and body of the, you know, the quantity of spaces that were so distinctive. And, you know, you go to Italy and there's buildings that have been there for over a thousand years. And that just kind of blew my mind at the time that, you know, our history is a couple hundred years old in the United States or, you know, in terms of our building stock. And they'd had buildings that were there and standing for much longer. Um, so that made a huge impression on me and I was actually thinking about the previous interviews um, with you know the talk of the future and Miss Calloway and you know looking at this next generation of I almost think we are stewards for that infrastructure and what is Miss Calloway's generation going to do with our city and the infrastructure that we leave them or the generation I just had a child the generation beyond so looking at how we not only think about what's happening today but how do we leave these resources and think of them as a resource for the future? Um, thank you, Ms. Chinchilla. Um, what's really sad in the city of Detroit, we don't have, we're real quick to tear down historic structures. 
We just witnessed that happen um, this past spring with the historic carriage house right there around John R. and Brush, and it was torn down because um, um, they said something couldn't be rehabbed. But I believe any historic structure that has been around for 100 years, if it's been around for 100 years, it may be it may require some additional um, dollars or um, investment, mm -hmm. but every historic structure, I believe, is worth preserving and protecting in the city, and that has not always been the narrative in the city. We're real quick to tear down historic structures, and then now our downtown, to me, looks like, collection, like a collection of Legos blocks. Um, everything is square and hard corners, nothing really sleek and nothing, you know, very attractive in my opinion. Everything just looks like Lego blocks. And we have torn down so many beautiful mansions. We've torn down so many beautiful structures in the name of whatever. But um, I went on a tour in my district yesterday, and I thought I was really familiar with what is happening in my district or what has occurred. But let me tell you what I, and I'm going to show you this picture. A gentleman took me through um, right around Palmer Park, and as you enter the Palmer Park area, he told me that that was the first street, concrete street in the country from 6 Mile to 7 Mile on Woodward. There's a historic marker there. Mm -hmm. Had never read it before, but it's there. And I invite you to um, drive past Palmer Park, mm -hmm. um, and the historic market is there. First street in the country, right there in my district, in our city. He took me to a, a boulder, huge rock, and on that boulder was this, this sign. And I'm going to read it to you. 100 feet, and this is right there on the corner of Woodward and Six Mile for my colleagues and everybody else who's listening. 100 feet east of this spot where you're standing stood until October 1908, one of the last of the Woodward Avenue toll gates. Mm. Placed here November the 3rd, 1935, this placard, by Fort Pontchartrain, and the chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution. It is so dirty, I had to get out of my car, get on my knees to take this picture. Anybody, we walk past that spot every day, mm -hmm. and you don't know that it's there, that that was a toll gate. Toll means it costs you to cross that mm -hmm. area into the city. Mm -hmm. no it was idea. the last of the toll gates in Detroit. So what Governor Whitmer is talking about, it ain't new Governor Whitmer. We've had tolls here before. They started right here. Mm -hmm. So how would we or how would you preserve that and make it more historical, more inviting, make it a tourist attraction? Because I didn't know it was there. It's just sitting on yeah. a rock. Wow. And I've walked past that spot, do, you know, rode past that spot on my bike, never stopped, because I didn't know it was really there because it's so dirty. Right. You actually have to get on your knees and take your phone up there to try, or a, a, a flashlight to see what it says. It's so dirty. So in your opinion, with that type of marker there, what would you do to preserve it or bring attention to it? Or is that something in your purview sitting on the um, Historic Dis District Commission? I do not believe that would be in my purview as someone sitting on the district commission. However, as an architect and a citizen of the city of Detroit, I could say that I appreciate the enthusiasm to start to bring more 
three-dimensional physicality to our history yes. and the built form, and that the opportunity for community groups like the um, Daughters of the Revolution did at that time in creating the plaque, there's an opportunity for us as citizens and the community groups to come together and think about which projects do we want to create in our generation to move forward to document our history and think about how what legacy do we want to leave to others. Um, so I am welcoming the opportunity for anybody listening to come to me as an architect <laughs> on a separate track and propose projects and I would be happy to support that. Yeah. yeah, but as a commissioner, I don't think that is in our purview. Yeah, well, um, it's in my purview as the councilwoman of that district to make sure mm -hmm. that we bring attention to that area. Um, we're going to do a little research. I see my staff member writing it down. He lives over there, and I didn't even know that was there. I mean, it's just amazing that yeah. that was a toll gate. And, and a historian the, might be able to go back and find the photos of what that toll gate was or even if there's any drawings that were filed with the city at any point um, of what that construction was. I don't know how back the archives go and how well we have those archives, but there might be a record of what that looked like at that point. Yeah, and what would be so inviting because once you cross into, I mean, you're crossing from Ferndale into the city mm -hmm. and that's the welcome area for Palmer Park. You know, we could probably get a kiosk there, but that's a whole other conversation. Thank you, Ms. Tuchilla. Thank you, Madam Chair. Well, that's the exciting part of having the commission is that it really pushes the community to think about these things and have to be thoughtful about what projects they bring forward in these districts. Excellent. Thank you. Any additional questions or comments? Well, uh, yes. Thank Member you, Waters. Madam Chair. Yeah, I did, you know, Member Calloway started something here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just, I just uh, wow. You know, I walk around Palmer Park. I'm, I'm sure I walk right past it a number of times, and I had no idea that we had a toll gate. Wow. That that is something. You know. And, and I want to see more markers. I want we got to emphasize this, yes, you know, and, and make sure that people understand, know the history of all the things that have happened here in this city. And, and when we go to, uh, like, for example, what happened in Virginia Park. Mm -hmm. Everybody know what happened over there, right? You know, where, the, where those, uh, 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 those, those guys were, were murdered by police officers. I mean, they, they've kind of torn things down, but I believe that there should be some sort of marker there. Um, so, um, Nahaja. Nahaya. Nahaya. I wanted to say that name. I need to get it right. <laughs> Nahaya. Yep, perfect. Okay, where'd you get that name? Um, it's, okay. it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, don't worry about it. <laughs> My mother invented it and it has a Arabic and Spanish background. Oh, okay. Yeah. Aha. Uh -huh. All right. So, do, do you know how many historic buildings we have here in the city? I mean, buildings, yeah. I don't know. Actually, I think it was in the presentation that the staff created for us. I yeah. don't have the number no, memorized, no, but I do know that there's 120 historic districts, and some of those are individual buildings, yeah. and some of those are neighborhoods yeah. um, that fall in our jurisdiction. Well, 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 I do want you to know that I appreciate the fact that you mentioned building codes. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a pet peeve of mine for a long time, <laughs> frankly, uh, because I sometimes you visit other cities and you see that they have, there's a consistency in the colors and that kind of thing, the type of signs that they can place, those kinds of things, you know? I, I really want us to get to that point. 
and and I'm not saying this is within your purview, but I I just believe after you mentioned Coles, you kind of opened up that floodgate for me and you reminded me, you know, uh, uh, about that. And so, uh, you know, beautiful city. You know, we're gonna have his his the historic piece of it and other building codes make just make the city beautiful. And I think we can get to that point. The historic district staff has actually done a good job of creating a style guideline. So there are style guidelines that apply based on the time period and the style of your original building, mm -hmm. of what colors and um, what the you know kind of guidelines are, so that there is some sort of consistency with that typology and the history. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. You know, I won't go into all the other things if I think, but I look forward uh, I to seeing you again. <laughs> thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Chinchilla. We appreciate your time. Colleagues, if we can go to line item 10.1, which is status of mayor's office submitting resolution authorization appointment of Nahaya Chinchilla yes. to the Historic District Commission effective immediately and will expire on February 14th. 2024 is there a motion to approve motion there's a motion to approve line item 10.1 hearing no objection that action shall be taken thank you we shall now move back to our interview am i allowed to do that dr powers um as i see there are this is just for one district or is it Okay, because you've been sending one district appointees forward versus sending all of the names at one time. So I just wasn't sure. Yes, yeah, so these, um, we had uh, resolutions that were sent to us for each one of the interviewees for the Historic District Commission. Okay, sorry for the interruption. That's okay, thank you. Team, we are going to move to our next interview, which is the reappointment of Tiffany Franklin to the Historic District Commission. And I believe she's joining us via Zoom. Yes, she has been promoted to panelist. Thank you. And good morning, Ms. Franklin. Thank you so much for joining us. Please, um, you are actually muted, but please introduce yourself for the record and um, maybe talk to us about your experience as the chair of the Historic District Commission. Good morning and thank you for this opportunity, Madam Chair, and to the honorable uh, committee members. My name is Tiffany Franklin and I am the current chair for the Historic District Commission. And I do live in District 2 and through um, complete transparency. I've had the pleasure to work with Council Member Callaway. Um, I do live in a historic district and maintain a beautiful historic home. I've lived here in my home for about uh, a little over 10 years. I am a lifelong uh, Detroiter. And upon buying and purchasing, I should say, my home, my family and I, uh, I specifically became very engaged in historic preservation. And at that moment, I um, served on, as a member within my uh, association, the Sherwood Forest Association, as the Historic Preservation Chair. 
and uh, most recently when working as a, the president here in Sherwood Forest. Um, so I've had about 10 years with working um, and collaborating here in my association to maintain and educate um, regarding historic preservation and also as um, two terms as uh, working at the historic uh, commission as a historic commissioner. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm interested. So you are involved in the community um, around the historic district that you live in and also as the chair of the historic district commission. Talk to me about your background. Is your background in architecture or Anything of that nature? That's interesting. Thank you. No, absolutely not. My background was really activated when I when we purchased our home. I do have an affinity for history and architecture. Um, however, that is not what I went to college for. Um, but just living here in the homes and appreciating not only within my community, but the city at large, our beautiful uh, 120 historic districts and about 10,000 um, structures that are maintained within um, those districts, both both commercial and residential um, it, it is all around me. You know, I'm a lifelong Detroiter and not until I purchased my home did my interest really elevate to appreciate our historic um, resources and structures here in the city of Detroit. So um, although I am um, not the president of Sherwood Forest Association at the moment, I still work very closely and engaging and um, artistic district two manager with some projects that are um, going on here within our community, specifically with traffic calming and other projects. So community engagement and awareness is um, very important to me and ensuring that the community that I live in and expanding that within the city of Detroit as a whole, as a commissioner, I enjoy and appreciate the opportunity to serve and to represent and um, protect our historic resources and structures. That's awesome. It's, a, it's amazing where community engagement work will take you. <laughs> yes. You know what? That is key. It really is. And um, that's how I started, just kind of grassroots. I was interested and my association saw that interest and has really supported me. And through the, the years, you know, just as a chair in our historic um committee here and then just as president and just even though I'm not president anymore, just those collaborations and um, relationships that I've built over time, you know, where I live, um, I have a relationship with, uh, you know, my district two manager as every resident should have a relationship with um, council and members of, um, you know, the public and because we are all servants, right? We're serving here. And although my service is voluntary, I still take it very seriously. So um, I, I enjoy those collaborations, those partnerships. We work very well in tandem with what's going on here in my community. And again, as a commissioner, I enjoy the opportunity to expand that um, to the entire city. Excellent. Well, we certainly do appreciate your work on the ground. It takes all of us to 
step in mm -hmm. and help out where we can. So thank you for that. Uh, I am going to turn it over to my colleagues to see if they have any questions or comments for you. Absolutely. Member Calloway. Thank you, Madam Chair. And good morning, Ms. Um, Tiffany Franklin. And um, Good morning. Yeah, it's good seeing you this morning. And in yes, terms well. of that calming the traffic in the district, I was happy to bring DPW out with my staff yeah. member, um, Peter Rowe. So um, that was our office that implemented that. That's why you have those um, poles. I guess they're called stakes or something in the middle of the road yeah. when you're entering off Parkside going into Sherwood Forest. My office implemented that. And then also the one right in front of Mr. Stein's house. Um, you know where that is, right? Absolutely. We had those installed <laughs> as well. So I'm hoping that we will be able to get those berms built out there and maybe beautify that area. But we have calmed that traffic down. And I want to thank you and Mr. Stein and Ms. Mm -hmm. Esters um, yes. who played a role in making that happen. It was the five of us out there. Um, you weren't there, but um, um, under Mr. Stein's leadership and Ms. Esters, we were able mm -hmm. to make that happen. So I'm looking forward to DPW and um, General Services Department beautifying those two entrances into Sherwood Forest and Palmer Park, Palmer Woods. So, um, again, it's good seeing you. Um, I'm looking forward to you continuing to serve on the um, Historic District Commission. And you live over there. So what? even though um, you don't have purview over that marker that I just um, described, did you have an opportunity to hear me read the marker? Absolutely. And I just want to thank you again, uh, Councilwoman Callaway, for working hand-in-hand -hand with that act hot um, traffic calming com committee and making sure that those markers were set up there and we're looking forward for that to be developed into something permanent. Now, as to your comments with the historic markers, um, that marker, and I believe, and I could be wrong, is maintained or the responsibility of its maintenance, I should say, I believe is the city of Detroit. Um, just, the, just as my home is my responsibility to maintain that, I believe that historic markers are the uh, responsibility of the, the ownership of that. And I believe it's either state or city, but I can certainly look into that. Or more importantly, when you bring up the markers and the appreciation of what we have around us, we move throughout our community community sometimes in a tunnel where we'll yeah. just get into one place to the other. You know, mm -hmm. I walk along there. My son is a caddy over there in the Detroit uh, um DYC. So, you know, he rides his bike. I'm walking through there. And so it's easily overlooked, especially if it has not been maintained over time. I, you know, there is a, um, a fire. Um, it's not a hydrant, but it was, it's an, uh, it's an alarm back in the day when you would go and pull the alarm to notify mm -hmm. the fire mm -hmm. department that there is a potential hazard or a fire. I would like to look into what funds be it federal or at the yeah. state or city level that can restore that. So that is something on my purview. In addition to that, um, I spoke to, or I should say, uh, Director Landsberg and I had a very recent uh, conversation regarding um, perhaps me writing a resolution, and this is just perhaps, to identify our historic districts like many other major cities, specifically the city of um, 
New York City, where our historic street signs are of a different color, be it black, be it, you know, blue, brown, whatever that may be, such as in Philadelphia, to identify that you are now entering one of uh, the city's historic districts. So that many times people are saying, I didn't know Sherwood Forest was historic. And then they'll say, well, I thought Parma Woods was. And they're not, although they've done a very well job with um, preserving and maintaining those beautiful homes over there. And a lot of people say that, well, I thought because of the age of it, of their home. So although they're not designated as a historic district, they certainly have done a phenomenal job with maintaining their homes and the historic um, aesthetics of their homes. So I, I'm with you, uh, Councilwoman Callaway, with um, really looking into our historic markers, be it whoever, if they are being um, the responsibility by a government entity to maintain, to make sure that they are and to bring attention to that and to maybe to identify, you know, historic markers within the city, you know, the sweet home, you know, to, to have an educational type of um, bus tour or something to have that so that people and generations can appreciate all the wealth of historic history that we have here in the city is overwhelming to know what, that what we have here and how precious it is. So my um, service to to protect and to educate, I take very seriously and I do appreciate the opportunity over time to do just that. Thank you, um, Ms. Franklin. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Any additional questions or comments? All right, seeing none. Well, Ms. Franklin, we certainly do appreciate your time, uh, and we appreciate the commitment, the dedication that you have provided to the city uh, and to its residents, and thank you so much for your service on this commission. Um, My pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Have a beautiful day. Thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you. Colleagues, we are going to drop down to line item 10.2, okay, which is submitting resolution authorization for the reappointment of Tiffany Franklin to the Historic District Commission, effective immediately and will expire on February 14, 2026. Is there a motion to approve line item 10.2? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.2 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. All right. And our final interview for today is with Ms. Andrea Simmons, an appointment to the Historic District Commission. She is joining us here in person. Okay. Good morning, Ms. Simmons. Good morning. Morning. Will, will you please introduce yourself for the record and uh, tell us about your background and your interest in the Historic District Commission? Absolutely. So my name is Adria Simmons. Um, I'm born and raised in Detroit on the east side. Um, my family moved into Indian Village when I was 10 years old, um, and I am now a two-time uh, homeowner in Indian Village. Um, I live a block from my family now. Um, I have... Yeah, I went to Howard University. I, similar to Ms. Franklin, I don't have a, a background in historic architecture, but I do have a personal passion um, for it and a passion for community service in the city of Detroit. 
Um, and that's been lifelong for me. I won the Spirit of Detroit Award at age 16 for my volunteer work in places like the DIA and have really spent the last five or so years working locally within my neighborhood and the surrounding neighborhoods, um, bringing my sort of background in board and, and board consulting and also volunteerism to several boards to help with transforming how those boards educate and uh, deliver services to the, the citizens of our neighborhoods. So that includes boards like the Village CDC, where I was uh, uh, brought in to be interim co-president for a while to help uh, transform the way the board thinks about inclusivity and being an anti-racist uh, community board, and also in its housing practices and bringing forward resources to allow people in these historic neighborhoods to repair and keep their homes. Um, also with the Indian Village Historic Association uh, helping lead their planning around how they set goals and how they set, um, how they, they elevate the way that they educate our changing audience um, around maintaining the historic value of our properties and the roles and responsibilities of perspective and then new homeowners in the, in the village itself. And also on uh, the Village Woman's Garden uh, uh, to, um, committee, um, helping with tours and also helping with other sort of community-led uh, projects and expanding the scope of our work there. And so, you know, I am, I come as an invested uh, person in the community, a homeowner who has uh, educated myself and, and, and gained a passion, I would say, life close to lifelong at this point, right? I remember being 10 and I remember what it meant for my family to move into Indian Village. It took three incomes to get there. And when we got there, the way we cherished our home and the way I remember learning things about uh, dental mold molding and, and the foyer and, the, and all of those pieces that really make uh, and add the character to our community and carrying that through as a homeowner now myself, um, but also as a, a part of the community and through my community service with those boards and organizations and, and understanding the value of importance of educating, uh, educating the community around preservation um, in support of the HCC's work. Um, and I would say, you know, for me, uh, I'm, I reflect in many ways the new inbound community. The neighborhoods are changing so much, and I in many ways reflect that community. I've, I've lived in, you know, Harlem and D.C. and, 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 and the West Coast and places where you see the, in, the new inbound community coming from. And I have a vested interest in sort of carrying forward the work of educating our neighbors, but also um, enabling and making sure that when those of us who may not have come from a place where we have had the opportunity to, to maintain a historic home before um, or move into one, really do understand and appreciate what it is that we're taking on um, and that we do really uh, kind of push forward the agenda of what has been set for us so far. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm passionate about uh, this opportunity and really thrilled to be considered. Awesome, awesome. Um, so you're living in Indian Village. You've experienced um, some of the changes, mm -hmm. seeing what's happening in West Village, right? right. Um, and seeing new development that has taken place in West Village. What are your thoughts on like uh, buildings like the Co and you know the other new developments that have um, recently come online in that area? Do you feel as though there has been preservation or you know some harmonious um, jive with 
the existing infrastructure and the new development that's happening in that area? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I watched the CO2, uh, uh, the proceedings around that um, as being an interested person. Um, and, and really, you know, I think the, the thing that was, was challenging with the CO2 is, you, you know, it's, and actually unique to West Village is you've got Van Dyke, which is, uh, it has its own um, sort of uh, uh, rules and guidelines as a, as, a, as a driving density as a street within sort of this historic residential space and the balance of that. And also the two homes, right, that were, um, that were historic and some of the oldest homes in West Village and how you balance for that. And so I think it's, you know, I, I watched those deliberations and I felt, I thought that they, that it was fair and how it was, uh, how it was um, uh, basically considered. Um, I think that um, always, always, always pausing to see how can we um, maintain what's there? How can we have, you know, is was there a way? Is there a way to maintain the infrastructure, the, those older homes, and keep their value while allowing for the change that will inevitably occur? I think is the responsibility and, and, and the tough and the tough call that has to be made. And so, um, all in all, I, f I feel like there's you know there is change occurring, and it's up to us to make sure that it it does not, it is not uh, so abrupt or so starkly different from what has driven the value of those spaces to, up to this point. Awesome. And that's, that's your, will be your distinct that's responsibility distinct on the commission. Okay. Absolutely. Excellent. And because there is more vacant land for building, that's, you know, something that is extremely important to for Detroiters wanting to make sure that, you know, it feels harmonious with the community. So awesome. Look, looking forward to your support on the commission with that. Thank you. Uh, colleagues, any comments or questions? Member um, Calloway. Thank you, Madam Chair. I just lit up when you said um, Howard University. Um, I'm a Spelman <laughs> yes, grad, Spelman, so I understand yeah. that yeah. whole um, HBCU. And my sister, um, who um, is no longer with us, was the roommate of um, Vice President Kamala Harris what? at Howard University. Oh, wow. And I um, met with the vice president a couple months ago. And, of course, you know, we embraced and... Um, my niece calls her Titi, like auntie. And um, we talked about her um, protesting with my sister. They were the only two freshmen living in a upper upperclassmen dorm together. And she um, shared some stories um, with me that um, she and my sister um, shared together when they were classmates at Howard. Mm -hmm. So when you said Howard, I just kind of lit up. And I'm glad you came back home. I'm glad you brought your passion back home. I'm glad, because you could have gone anywhere. You could have stayed in Harlem, because Harlem is cool. <laughs> you know, Washington, D.C. is cool. But um, I'm so glad you brought your talents and your skills um, back to Detroit. And I'm looking forward to you um, hopefully being appointed to this historic district commission um, and um, continuing to pre protect and preserve our history. And the only thing that I don't like about our cities, we're so quick to tear down historic structures and buildings. Um, I still would like to see the um, Verner's um, sign return to where we call Tech Town. And a lot of folks are over there now, and they don't even know that that whole area was Verner's. The Verner's plant and that huge sign, I would 
you know, go past there and it would light up at night. It was yellow and bright and trimmed in green. And a lot of people don't know that's where Verner's was. And a lot of people don't know a lot of things because we tear them down. And I'll continue to say this. Our downtown is beginning to look like a, a row of Legos blocks. Um, everything is square with sharp edges. And the historical buildings are being torn down um, because now we're saying, you know, we get tax abatements to preserve them. But then we really get in there and take a second look. We can no longer preserve, preserve them. We don't want to give back our tax abatement because we can't preserve it. So, um, you know, um, that's an issue for me. So I'm hoping we will continue to protect our history because when it's torn down, it's gone. And all you have is a picture if you can find it. Um, but um, I want to thank you for coming back, and um, um, I look forward to you serving. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. And if I may just say, it's it's. It's funny, on Saturday, I was having that conversation about the Verner's factory with my grandmother, who spent her time in that area, and I, I actually did not know that was the Verner's factory. I just kept saying, do you mean the, Bur the Better Made factory? She said, no. I mean, she's like, no, this is the Verner's factory. We looked, on the, we looked up old pictures, and it's, I mean, it's so true, right? That is a part of the history, and that was part of her history, okay. growing up here in high school and in her old stomping ground. So it's, so it's just so striking to hear you mention that as well. Um, I definitely value that. Member Waters. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. So, good morning. Good morning. It's good to have you here. I, I just want to say that you probably won Member Calloway over when you said you went to Howard University. <laughs> 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 oh, and that's for sure. So, Adrea. Adria. Adria. Yes. Okay. I, all right. I'm trying to get Very that. close. I, you know, I like to say those little cute little names is that you know and I don't live that far from the village I have a few friends in the village so um, I just want to ask you though uh, just tell us a little bit about your professional experience can you tell us that yeah absolutely so I um, am from Howard I graduated with a marketing and French degree mm -hmm. um, and I've spent the bulk of my career in the tech industry um, looking at uh, basically like digital transformation, so how companies can add, innovate, innovate their processes to be more productive and more efficient. Um, and so today I work at Microsoft in Campus Martius right up the street. Oh, um, <laughs> um, and that's where, you know, I've it actually, I would say fundamentally one of the things that I've really enjoyed about being in tech um, for example, when I was at LinkedIn, also on Woodward, is there is a mission statement that is around empowering people, right, and individuals, and that allowed that's allowed me to be community oriented within my my job. Yeah. Um, and so, um, for example, at LinkedIn, I worked with the Children's Center, and we partnered and and did certain programming together to bring awareness to opportunities to LinkedIners, um, and those that we were encouraged to donate and volunteer in that way in the community, and so I've been able to sort of forward that. So it's been a nice balance for me in terms of both of my, my passion areas. Oh, wow. Well, I'm happy to say that. Uh, I'm happy that you said you worked for the Children's Center before. I, I've, I've worked there myself. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a few years ago. <laughs> You're too young to know. But anyway, <laughs> so... Um, all right. Well, well, you know, Microsoft, LinkedIn, and you have any pointers for LinkedIn for us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> At any time, I'm happy to, <laughs> to help right, you with your then. LinkedIn page. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. 
Thank you. And Adria. Yes. <laughs> thank you for pronouncing your name. Um, of course, I just automatically saw an N there. Um, but thank you so much for your time. We certainly do appreciate it and look forward to um, you joining the commission and uh, serving the community. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. All. Okay. <laughs> Colleagues, if we can. Take a look at line item 10.4, which is the submitting resolution authorization appointment of Adria Simmons to the Historic District Commission, effective immediately and will expire on January 23rd, 2025. Uh, is there a motion to send line item 10.4 to formal motion. with the recommendation to approve? Motion, Madam Chair. Thank you. Hearing no objection. That action shall be taken. Line item 10.4 shall be sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. Thank you, ladies. We appreciate your time and look forward to your service on the Historic District Commission. So that concluded our final interview. We have now um, addressed line items 10.1, 10.2, and so we will move to line item 10.3. Status of Council President Mary Sheffield submitting memorandum relative to requests for guidance regarding a recent privileged and confidential memo. Line item 10.3. There is a request from Council President to bring line item 10.3 back in one week. Motion. Is there a motion to do so? Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. King. Yeah. Good morning, Edward King, LPD. Uh, Madam Chair, um, we were notified that a closed session might be pending for this matter, and we were requesting that this be brought back after the closed session. Thank you. Uh, hearing that, is there a motion to bring line item 10.3 back at a date to be determined. Motion. There's a motion to bring line item 10.3 back at a date to be determined. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Colleagues, if we can, um, because we have now concluded all of the reparations task force interviews, mm -hmm. is there a motion to request LPD to draft a ballot with all interviews for a formal session? Motion. Mr. King. Madam Chair, can you, can you please uh, provide all the names of the interviewees prior to us draft, um, putting the ballots together? We will provide that to you today. All right, thank you. Thank you. Excuse me, Madam Chair. Dr. Powers? I think formally you need to actually send the names to formal for approval. That's the That's process. The names get sent to formal for approval. LPD certainly can do what you just asked, but the action of this committee is to actually send the names forward. Their, the resolution they create doesn't really um, have you as a committee send them forward. Do, does that mean that we need individual? Um, no. Okay, just one resolution. You, one motion to send all the names that you have to formal for uh, for approval. Okay. And then, of course, at formal you would vote. But that that's the proper procedure. 
but we would just say something like motion to send all of the reparations uh, names. Exactly. Yeah, formal. that had been okay. interviewed to to formal session, and then as a secondary motion, Request. which is what you asked for, was L the assignment to LPD to write the resolution for the. I'm sorry, to create the ballot. Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Member Waters, would you like to make the motion? <laughs> is is there a motion to send all of the candidates that have been interviewed um, to formal with a recommendation to approve for the reparations task force. for the reparations task force? So moved, Madam Chair. <laughs> Thank you. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. And then there is also a. A motion that has been put forward to request LPD to draft a ballot with all of the interviewees from the Detroit Reparations Task Force for a formal session. Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Thank you all for keeping us in order. We are now moving to line item. 10.5, submitting resolution authorization for a settlement in lawsuit of John Marks versus City of Detroit, Sheshwan Zaimi et al., case number 21-10862, in the amount of $50,000. Is there a motion? There's a motion to approve line item 10.5. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.5 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Line item 10.6, submitting memorandum relative to recommendation for appointment of Anita Bell, JD, to the Reparations Task Force. Is there a motion to remove line item 10.6? Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.6 shall be removed from the agenda. Line item 10.7, status of council president Mary Sheffield submitted memorandum requesting the legislative policy division to provide an updated list of all city board and committee members. Member Waters? Well, I don't know. What's the status? I'm ask you. I thought you were going to ask the LPD. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> Mr. King? Uh, Madam Chair, this, this item, this particular item can be removed. The, um, the report was received last week. Thank you. Motion to remove 10.7, Madam Chair. There is a motion to remove line item 10.7 from the agenda. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Moving into new business from the law department. Line item 11.1 .1 is a settlement request in lawsuit of Vital Community Care versus City of Detroit. Case number 21-014366-NF. The Department of Transportation in the amount of $2,780. 
Is there a motion to approve or discuss? Motion to approve. There's a motion to approve line item 11.1. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 11.1 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Line item 11.2, Office of Contracting and Procurement, submitting resolution authorization for contract number 6004656-A1, 100% city funding. Amendment number one, to provide an increase of funds for pre-litigation services in connection with condemnation matters relating to the Detroit City Airport. Contract increase amount $150,000. Is there a motion to approve or discuss? Motion to discuss. Discussion, Member Waters? Uh, is there someone from procurement online? I see Mr. Ramey is here. Oh, okay. Should address this. All right. Have at it, Mr. Ramey. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Ramey. If you can introduce yourself for the record. Chuck Ramey, uh, Deputy Corporation Counsel. Um, so this, uh, this contract uh, has gone through law because we're engaging outside counsel, but uh, law is really not uh, directly involved in this project. Uh, the project is to... Uh, um, is out at the uh, Detroit City Airport, and uh, uh, the the project relates to a number of residential properties that are adjacent or somewhat close to one of the runways. And so, to do do renovations and get federal funding, one of the requirements is that the area that has those uh, those residential properties that uh, that be uh, uh, that the people be uh, relocated. Uh, so that if it, I guess if a plane crashes, it won't hurt anyone, uh, except the pilot maybe. So, um, so uh, this has been going on quite a while, and I think uh, the the area is very very run down at this point. Many people have already left, uh, so a number of the houses are vacant, but some are still occupied. My understanding is that for uh, the, that the, uh, the 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 city hired a project manager, and they're 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 trying to negotiate to the extent possible, so they don't have to actually bring uh, condemnation actions. If they would much prefer to, you know, make an offer that's mutually acceptable between the city and the the owner of the property, but. Um, uh, there are some cases where that's not possible, so they're actually going to have to file condemnation actions. So uh, why, why, why is the increase being requested of $150,000? Um, and I'm also going to address why we selected this firm, because I know that's also, also an issue. Um, so the uh, I I think we've we've put it out in the uh, memo here that initially um, I don't think the scope of work was was clear at all. Uh, it was very early stage when when this firm was brought on board. Uh, it was not clear, and and 
again, I'm kind of a bystander in this because I'm not directly involved in the project, but, but my understanding is the uh, firm, first of all, didn't think it was going to need to do any work on the necessity question. So whenever there's a condemnation, the first question is whether the government can prove it's necessary to, uh, to take that property. But it turned out the administration wanted some extensive research on that. So, so that was done. That was not part of the original scope of work. And, and the original scope of work, I don't think, recognized how difficult the title issues would be on these properties. So whether the city is going to take the property by condemnation or by, by deed, voluntary deed, the city needs to understand the title issues for each of the properties. I think there's a total of 77 properties. And um, it turns out there's all kinds of problems with the, the title of these properties. So that engendered a, a great deal of additional work. And, and now it's looking like there may be 20 or more cases that actually go to condemnation. And so there would be, uh, I don't think that was anticipated. So the bottom line is that um, the firm has, has said that, uh, that uh, they uh, believe that a more realistic uh, number is the 250. Uh, obviously, if, that's, if, if, if there's more money, we're not going to use it. Uh, but hopefully that we won't have to come back to uh, this body again for another amendment uh, down the road. Um, so how did we select this firm? Uh, I know is an issue. Um, the, um, for many years, uh, our con the city's condemnation lawyer was Avery Williams. Uh, he was with a firm called Williams and Acosta. And uh, I worked with since I got here in 2014, I'd worked closely with Avery on many cases, and including some very important cases. He was a te terrific lawyer. About a year and a half ago, he, I think he was in his late 50s, he got a, a brain tumor and died within like a month. And his firm broke up. And uh, uh, so if, 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 but for that, uh, we would be using Avery on this matter. He was... Uh, uh, a terrific lawyer, he's an African-American fellow. Uh, so uh, when this came down, this matter came down, um, the, uh, the project manager, who's separate from the city, but they manage these aviation projects, uh, recommended this firm. I had I'd never dealt with this firm, uh, never heard of the firm. So I did... You know, due diligence. I got their um, resume. I, I checked their references. I the, the the firm seemed to have a very good reputation and had done this kind of work quite a bit. Their rates seem reasonable, and so that's that's the way we ended up with this firm. Uh, so that's that's the story. All right, okay. number one. Thank you, Madam Chair. So. That doesn't mean, though, that we didn't have some firms here in this city that could probably do this type of work, right? Because we probably do, you think? No. We don't? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, there are some, but um, there may be some. My guess is that they'd be much more expensive if you're talking about a big firm. This is a relatively small, narrowly focused firm if you're talking about okay. you know, the larger firms that may have condemnation. The other thing about condemnation work is that the firms typically 
uh, do either government side or uh, property owner side. This firm does government side uh, work, meaning they represent governments in condemnation. Uh, so, you know, this was recommended. I certainly wasn't aware of any firm in the city that could okay. do this at a better uh, right. at a better I, I, rate. I just wonder. You don't have to always ask. Okay. Um, but but I do want to ask you how. Um, how receptive are the residents? Um, are they in terms of relocating and that kind of thing? I, I know I drive through that area. I know a few people over there who, I mean, it's, you know, it's almost desolate, frankly. Yeah. So, so are they being receptive uh, to just participating so that, so that we don't have to go to condemnation or, or what? Well, that's the city's goal is to uh, try to work out with every resident if possible or the owner of the property a, a, a mutually agreeable deal so we don't have to go to condemnation. But, but, uh, you know, but you said it's about 70, 77 residents there now, right? Properties. Properties. I don't think they're Not 70. necessarily. Right. Okay. They're not all occupied. Not all occupied. Uh, okay. But in general, I just kind of want to know how the residents are thinking the few that are that are that are occupied that are there are they kind of open to it or do you know i don't really know don't i mean know. i i i've i've heard like third hand you know that uh, the offers are going reasonably well but i i don't really know okay all right okay it's all right. you know when you don't know you don't know it's all right <laughs> there's a lot of that yeah <laughs> okay all right then so i i'm um, i'm good madam chair thank you Thank you, um, and I believe this impacts some District 4 residents, uh, and so I will be keeping a close eye. We know that this project has been going on for a number of years, and um, I think that has led to the conditions that we see in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, and so I will keep an eye to make sure that we are uh, being fair to the residents in that area, um, recognizing that, you know, we'd like to see the city airport um, expand and, and be redeveloped and all of that um, and just want to because I know these items will come back before council potentially uh, as the agreements are made uh, so we'll certainly keep a close eye on it but thank you uh, attorney Ramey for coming down to share some information with us any additional questions or comments all right seeing none is there a motion on Line item 11.2. Uh, motion to approve. There's a motion to approve line item 11.2. Any objection? Hearing none, that action shall be taken. Line item 11.2 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Moving on to line item 11.3. From the Legislative Policy Division, submitting resolution authorization for the Auditor General selection process. Receive and file. Motion to receive and file. Is there a motion to approve? Motion to approve. Okay. Mr. King, uh, just just briefly, Madam Chair, uh, this is this is a. <laughs> All right. 
Madam Chair, this is a resolution describing the process. Um, as stated at formal session, this is council's process, but basically this resolution just describes a process where you interview the four candidates in this committee, and then at the next voting session, council votes the majority for the um, appointee. Thank you, Mr. King. Uh, Member Calloway? Yeah, I have a quick question. What if none of the four um, are satisfactory? And in the council's um, opinion, what happens then? Uh, council Member Callaway, I'm assuming that the council would have the um, they would have the discretion to open the process back up. Thank you, Mr. King. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Anything else? Hearing nothing. Uh, is there a motion to approve line item 11.3? Okay, motion to approve. I thought it was receive and file, but okay. Here, no objection. Is that it receive and file? That action shall be taken. Thank you, <laughs> Member Waters. The next well, line item, 11.4. Uh, yes, Mr. King. Just for, for our Member Waters, the, the resolution is actually setting the process, so you would approve the resolution to set that okay, process. Okay, thank you. Well, I mean, you know, I... Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> I think that is correct. Uh, I'll be quiet. <laughs> Dr. Powers. I'm sorry. Um, as I recall, um, I thought this was approved yesterday at formal. So if you approve it today, what are you doing? You're sending it back to formal? I, I'm, I'm confused. Mr. King. If this was approved at formal, it. it should not be on this agenda. So we should remove it. Or receiving file. Okay. Or receiving file. <laughs> Through the chair, I also remember, uh, I concur with Dr. Powers. Thank you, Attorney Anderson. Uh, <laughs> well, I can't receive and file it. <laughs> we, we don't need to reconsider that. No, okay. Thank you. There, okay, so line item 11.3 was actually addressed yesterday during formal session. Uh, is there a motion to receive and file? Motion. <laughs> Hearing absolutely no objection, that, ap that action shall be taken. Thank you, Member Waters. <laughs> Moving on to line item 11.4, submitting report relative to Auditor General Candidates. Is there a motion to receive and file or discuss? Motion to receive and file. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 11.4 shall be received and filed. Line item 11.5, submitting resolution authorization for the reestablishment of the Detroit City Council Youth and Civic Engagement Task Force. Is there a motion to approve or discuss? Motion to approve, Madam Chair. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 11.5 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Line item 
submitting resolution authorization. For a resolution to officially establish 313 day in the city of Detroit. Is there a motion to send line item 11 point? I have to move through all of these screens. Line item 11.62 formal for the March 7th session. Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 11.6 shall be sent to March 7th formal session with a recommendation to approve. Moving on to line item 11.7, submitting report relative to reestablishment of the Detroit City Council Human and Sex Trafficking Task Force. Is there a motion to receive and file? Motion. There is a motion to receive and file line item 11.7. Mr. King. Mr. King. <laughs> Madam Chair, this item should be approved and moved to formal. Motion okay. to approve. Mm-hmm. Is there a motion to approve line item 11.7? Motion. There's a motion to approve line item 11.7. Hearing no objection. That action shall be taken. Line item 11.7 shall be sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. Madam Chair. Madam Clerk. Yes, for point of clarity for line item 11.7, I don't see where we have an attached resolution to this line item. Will there be one provided and sent over to be moved to a formal session? Uh, I believe it has already been sent. Um, it is actually attached to the agenda, but we'll make sure you have it. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Moving on to line item 11.8. Council President Mary Sheffield submitting memorandum relative to District 5 appointment recommendation for Entertainment Commission. I'm just checking to see the attachments. There is a request to move the line item forward. Discussion. I ain't got no question. Discussion. <laughs> what acts LPD? Madam Chair. Mr. King. The, the Entertainment Commission appointments. You have been. Um, you have been holding these items until the the actual interview has taken place. 
You can direct us to draft appropriate resolution, however, at this time. <coughs> Mr. King, this specifically is for District 5. Madam Chair, the, the way that it's written in the Boards of Commission's uh, report is that council members can nominate one person. Each council member nominates one person, and the mayor appoints three. And it's a citywide commission. Member Waters. Well, thank you, Ed. I'm glad you brought that up because I got to tell you, who is my member? Do I have one? <laughs> I mean, I was wondering about this, you know. <laughs> and so, so is it time for all of us to appoint one? Council Member Waters, yes. I'll, I'll look that information up and, and give it to you directly after the meeting. Okay, for all of us, if, if you don't mind. Please, no problem. Through the chair. Thank you. Th th thank you for that, Mr. King. I believe Director Todd sent that information out um, because there is... My District 4 appointment is up for reappointment, uh, and I know that we're looking to schedule an interview for him. Um, I don't believe all of them are currently. I wonder if <laughs> Director Todd is available. <laughs> Madam Chair, Director Todd is not online. I'm going to figure it out in one moment, Dr. Powers. I'm not nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not nervous. I even think about my person until I saw hers on here. I was like, where's mine? Who are they? I don't know who they are. I would like to ask LPD how we should proceed. Yes, that was last week. That's what I'm looking at. Madam Chair. Dr. Powers. As I say, I'm not nervous, but um, just... <laughs> As a reference. I know. If I take a pause, Mr. Yeah, King but, is going to be ready as soon as I take the pause. <laughs> I, 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 I just wasn't sure if you remembered that I, little I trick. Did. That thank, was thank off. Thank you. I wouldn't worry. There we Madam go. Madam Chair. Mr. King. Through the chair. I have the list in front of me. Okay. Member Waters. Gregory Reed. Term ending February 14th, 2024. Oh, okay. Member Johnson. Chiara Clayton. Term ending February 14th, 2022. 
Member Callaway, vacant. And Mr. King, Member Callaway's appointment would be through the end of this year. Madam, Madam Chair, there are three-year appointments. So the information that I have shows that her current vacant appointment is from 2020 through 2023. Okay, I don't have that information okay. in front of me. Thank you for that. I, I will um, share with colleagues here um, and maybe with everyone just to make sure everyone has the information that was received from Director Todd. How are we proceeding on line item 11.8? Mr. King. Madam Chair, I suggest you direct the LPD to draft the appropriate resolution and schedule an interview if that is your pleasure. Thank you. So moved. <laughs> There's a motion to request LPD to draft the appropriate resolution and interviews shall be scheduled. Um, so shall we, should we bring this line item back? Yes, that would be appropriate. So uh, is there a motion to bring line item 11.8 back at a date to be determined? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Colleagues and Madam Clerk, I believe you all have received a request for a walk-on mm -hmm. to reestablish the Equitable Development Task Force. Is there a motion? Uh, motion to walk on. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. The walk-on is uh, Councilwoman Letitia Johnson requesting that the Legislative Policy Division draft a resolution to reestablish the Detroit City Council Equitable Development Task Force. Is there a motion? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. We are now... Madam Chair. Madam Clerk. Point of clarity, so the, the walk-on for the equitable task force is going to be moved out for Tuesday, correct? The, there You're walking a, in on to move to formal? No, there's the, the request for LPD to draft the resolution. And okay. Once the resolution is received, we will move it to formal, presumably. Thank you, Thank you Madam Chair. Thank you. I'm, I'm getting the hang of it, Dr. Powers. <laughs> We are now at member reports. Vice Chair Waters. Well, thank you so much, Madam Chair, and I'll be brief. Um, just want to remind people that um, Member Vincent and I uh, will be doing helping people to complete the HOPE application um, on the 17th, that's um, this Friday, so that uh, people can certainly get some help uh, if they believe that they need assistance with their property taxes. Uh, we, um, we're always excited to do this. Sometimes the, those applications uh, can be a bit intimidating. So for property owners, uh, if you believe that you meet the HOPE guidelines, we're happy to assist you in completing those applications. And then we will also discuss um, opportunities um, for other people, say for example, if you're currently renting, 
and your uh, landlord has been missing in, in action. It's not always the case, but there are sometimes opportunities to, to make it home. And there's a make it home program, so we'll be explaining that as well. Uh, on tonight, we have the uh, skills trades. Uh, oh, I didn't tell you what the uh, property, the HOPE application will be done. At the Hellman Recreation Center on the east side. So um, we hope to see people there. And I believe that that goes from 10 to 3 on Friday. Um, today, we do our skills trade task force. And that's from uh, 4 to 6, and that's going to be at Laborers Local 1191 on West Grand Boulevard, which is um, near Grand River. If you have additional questions, in case I've messed some things up, um, call my office at 313-628-2363, 313-628-2363. All right, thank you so much, Madam Chair. Thank you. Member Calloway? No report at this time. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. And I just want to quickly uh, remind everyone in District 4, we are hosting our monthly community meeting on Monday, February 20th at 5.30 p.m. We are hosting a hybrid session at the physical location is at Eastside Community Network's uh, offices located at 4401 Connor. Um, but we will also have the Zoom option available. We have two guests. Uh, one is Mr. Willie Donwell from the Board of Review. Uh, he will provide assistance to anyone who believes that their property is being overassessed, uh, and he will walk you through the process to file an appeal. Uh, if, if that is a situation that you are dealing with, please be sure to bring your assessment, the assessments that came out in yellow, yellow paper, um, Please be sure to bring that and any additional information relative to your property or your uh, block, the area that you live in, uh, that may help with um, providing information to get your property taxes appealed. We also will have DTE Energy present to talk about the rate change uh, to make sure that people understand what's happening and to also have one of their... Um, partners to sign people up for energy audits to be able to receive a programmable thermostat uh, so you can manage the, the change in rates. Uh, and then on, so again, that's Monday, February 20th at 5.30 p.m. Eastside Community Network uh, or via Zoom. And then on Saturday, February 25th, we are providing assistance to anyone who's looking to have their record expunged. That event is taking place at Martin Evers Baptist Church, located at 11111 Whittier, from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. Um, again, if I have, if there's anyone that'd like to volunteer and uh, provide some support for either one of the events, feel free to call the office. The number is area code 313-224-4841, or if you'd like additional information, please reach out to the office and we will be happy to assist. That concludes my report. If there is nothing else to come before this body, we shall stand adjourned. All right. Thank you, everyone.